0: But it's learning, right? So if you, you teach children to hit a nail in the wood, they have to hit their thumb at some point to make sure that they learn from that how it, how it should work. And that I think, and, and people say that, right, we, we should have an environment where you're allowed to fail, but you should learn to learn from it. I think that's a far, far more important lesson, yeah. that those learnings is what you're looking for.
1: Welcome to Innovation Talks. Join us weekly as we discuss with distinguished industry guests how to refine and improve corporate innovation and new product development as businesses aim for long-term success. Hosted by Paul Heller, Sophion CTO. If you're looking for additional information around new product development or corporate innovation, sign up for Sofian's newsletter, where we share news and industry best practices monthly. The fastest way to do this is to go to sophion.com. That's S-O-P-H-E-O-N.com and click the sign up and stay informed box. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Glad you could join us. Hope you're all having a good summer. I have a, a nice guest today, Esther Hons, and hopefully I said that correctly, is with us. And she is the founder and CEO of a company called Ground Control based in the Netherlands. And she's written two very interesting books that are very, I think, relevant to our our entire audience here. Uh, a different slant on innovation. First one is is about business models and corporate startup teams. And if you're an established corporation, how do you do that? How do you become lean again and get into the startup world? And a second one, which I'm I'm really interested in, it's a topic that. Uh, that should be very interesting to all of us. Is about innovation accounting, and what I liked about both of these books is the word ecosystem is in there, and and that'll be fun to explore. Esther, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, Paul. It's an honor to be here, and kudos on pronouncing my name right. <laughs> I know that the Dutch is a difficult sound for most people, or sounding angry to most. People. So <laughs> kudos to the.
1: To you. <laughs> and uh where are you joining us from, Esther?
0: I'm based in, in Almere. I'm joining you from Alsmere, which is my which is where my home is at. My offices are in Amsterdam, mm-hmm. but that's only fifteen kilometers away from my home. And um yeah, it it's it's sort of a suburb to, to um Amsterdam really.
1: Right. And how's your summer going?
0: my summer is a typical dutch summer which means it's 14 degrees and every and raining every now and then but that's not too different from the winters in in the netherlands which are basically the same (laughs) Yeah.
1: yeah are you guys still uh offices closed open where are you guys at with that
0: Officially, it's uh, work from home as much as possible. Yeah. Um, but yeah. we are allowed to return to the office. But we have um, adopted a, a hybrid model a long time ago, working asynchronously with our team. So whenever people feel like they should be in the office to be more productive or the other way around, it's it's up to them. Our communication is within the cloud.
1: Okay, good. So you were kind of ready for work at home when it hit everybody else. You maybe may have been in front of it a little bit, huh? Good for a you. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> good, good for you, good for you. You know, I was going to ask you about how you got involved in innovation, but I, I thought I'd first ask you, when you hear that word innovation, what does that mean to you? How would you define innovation? Because I know you've thought about that quite a bit. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, it's actually a good question, Paul, and I love that you ask it. It's actually how I start most of our mas- my masterclasses and presentations that I do for for bigger corporates when I do strategy sessions. It is ex- exactly that question, right? So, so what do you mean by innovation? Yeah, uh, because it's such a, a loaded word, and, there, and there's there's so many things that you can catch in them, and and it's okay to think about that within your within your company in your company. It's also okay if you mean different things by it but i think that you should sort of really really think through that you differentiate from what you mean and and don't use the word for everything in your company and and i know there's different ways to look at it you can you can slice it vertically you can slice it horizontally there's different ways to look at innovation right there's people that say well we want to know we want to we want to get to the origin of innovation how do you how do you come up with new innovation we want to look at the 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 horizons the time horizons or the growth models the different ways of looking at it but it's important to understand what you mean by innovation when you are addressing other people but also that everyone else understand what you are talking to, about is it process innovation is it is it are you trying to do completely new things and And the way I look at it is that I slice it usually in the way that you should manage innovation, so that's that's my sort of a yeah. passion, right So I don't mind if you call all things innovation, but make sure that whenever you want to manage innovation, there's two types, and those two types have have the need of two different systems. And if you want to want to make sure that it happens within your organization, that you need to set up these two systems. And other people talk about those systems as as I don't know maybe ambidextrous organizations, right? Two the two different mm-hmm. systems or the two different uh, management styles that you need for the for the types of innovation. But for me, that's that's the biggest differentiator within innovation. That that everybody's understands understands that. That there is the innovation that you that you that you need for your core, your processes, your incremental innovations, your 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 current product features, and and the renewal of that. But there's also the innovation that that helps you discover new new growth models, new business models, mm-hmm. and new maybe risk, risky markets with new technology and and and. Those two things need two different management styles.
1: Yeah, that's very well said. Uh, and then the word ecosystem, where does that fit into this?
0: Well, basically, that's combining those two systems in, in, yeah. in your company, right? So, so people say, hear the word ecosystem, and then they associate it with all kinds of things, like the people mm-hmm. in your company and, and everybody aligned with, with things. But to me, it's those two systems that work well together it's It's saying that your your core company and the goals within your core company that they're still sort of aligned towards the the, the second system of of finding new new models and and a more of a disruptive innovation it's it's instead of putting your your startup labs or your innovation hubs or, or whatever outside of your company, you need to connect the two to make sure that you make make use of the most resources and, and time and, so that it can actually scale bigger. One of the biggest advantages of, of having a corporate is, is that you have the ability to scale it far bigger and, and grow it bigger and faster than than a startup on its yeah. own could do. So so that ecosystem to me is bringing those two systems together and, and make of the most of these two.
1: Great! Thanks for sharing that. That's uh, I know a very prevalent theme in your writings. Um, how did you get involved in this, Esther? Huh? Innovation and 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 uh, the management of innovation.
0: Well, <laughs> yeah, that's a funny story actually, because I think that in my years of entrepreneurial or, or my entrepreneurial journey, because I I I've been an entrepreneur all of my life. I've, I've started out as um as a freelancer, and, and then I started new businesses. Um, been an entrepreneur of my life. And that, and I think that journey started out by, by trying to, to stay away from corporates, but just pioneering, finding new ways to, to, to do things and, and, and work out things. And I think it started with one of the biggest failures that I did coming out of, um, out of college. I was actually asked to build something new for a, for a big computer company. I'm not going to mention the name right now, but they asked me to build something completely new because I wanted to to have um, a new way of selling their products. like computer products. So this was at the at the end of the of the century, right? When when we we didn't know about things like a blog posts or
1: right.
0: um, personal logins <laughs> and, and, new, yeah. and and stuff like that. And, and so I I got a lot of money. <laughs> me coming out of college, and I was partnered with a a development agency, and we came up with this brilliant idea of building a a platform for people working from home.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You were really so ahead of everything. (laughs) Exactly.
0: And we uh, asked people to to write columns. So those were called columns because we didn't know that the blog post didn't exist yet. To write about how loyal people would be working from home, what kind of what kind of environment people would need, and 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 uh, instead of just putting products of that of that computer company there, we would also put products of other companies. Like, what would you mm-hmm. need if you if you have a home office to yeah. have a chair or a table, stuff like that. And I um, looked for for startups that weren't called startups at that point, but I looked for widget. Right. So, is there? Uh, uh, traffic information, real time, which was hard to find at that point. So um, it took me a long time to find all of the things that I wanted. I think we we were building like two years on this. You can imagine two years and a lot of money spent. And then we had this huge, big launch with another media partner. And it was an enormous launch and it had cost a lot of money. And then the most amazing thing happened. Absolutely nothing happened. (laughs) There was was nothing really going on. And I I think people didn't understand. And then managers didn't understand at all. And the people at the company at that point were fusing with another computer company. And the new people in the new roles, they didn't understand what was happening. And they didn't see any sales at all. So they just pulled the plug after half a year or something. We didn't even have have the chance to iterate on anything. So there was a lot of waste, basically, of time and effort and a brilliant idea that turned yeah. out to be 20 years too early.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, somebody else had that idea later on and made a fortune <laughs> at it, right?
0: <laughs> Probably. But that sort of pushed me towards, this is ridiculous. This is something that is completely not new. Nobody even tried. Why did we do it that way, right? Yeah. Is there another way to sort of come up with or try and find out how that should be? should have worked or how that could have worked. And then when Steve Blank wrote all or started writing about his ideas about to do lean startup and and de-risking business models by trying uh, and, and, and giving it to the people earlier to try and, and see what works. So validated learning, that sort of made so much sense to me that I yeah. jumped to it and, and, and started to work with other entrepreneurs in the Netherlands to bring it to the Netherlands and develop it and iterate on it and, and bring it further. And that is basically... Yeah, I think my my onset towards innovation. I was already in the tech scene. My my background is in tech, um, so I've always worked with beginning companies, my own companies, uh, and from that point on, I also started helping other startups, volunteering for for uh, big accelerators, so um, investing in startups. So. That is that is my passion, basically uh, getting this innovation to work. So, yeah,
1: startups are in your blood. I could just tell the way you're talking. That's a there's a real passion there for trying something new, creating something different.
0: Right, right.
1: I'm glad you weren't discouraged by that. Uh, well, failure is maybe a bad word for it, but then nothing happened, right?
0: <laughs> right, but it's learning, right? So if it you, you teach children to hit a nail in the wood. They have to have yeah. to hit their thumb at some point to make sure that they learn from that how it, how it should work. And that I think, and, and people say that, right, we, we should have an environment where you're allowed to fail, but you should learn to learn from it. I think that's a far, far more important lesson, yeah. that those learnings is what you're looking for.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think we all really forget the value of afterwards, step back, take some time and say, what did we learn? We all say, well, why did it fail, right? That's a common question. Why did it fail? But what did we learn is a step that a lot of people, unfortunately, don't take. So, well, how did you get from from there to accounting? I mean, the whole innovation accounting is a great subject. You know, I've had discussions with all sorts of people and people say, don't do it, do do it, don't make it too rigorous. I, I work for a public company and our software development has to be uh, uh, capitalized, right? So we have that aspect to it, but that's very different, I think, than than uh, general accounting in innovation if you're another type of product company, right? So tell us about that.
0: Yeah, so so for most people, accounting is is, is this financial way of looking at, at things, right? And and I've also been approached by a lot of accountants and saying, hey, you're doing innovation in accountancy. Well, that's not really what innovation accounting uh, mm, is about so innovation right. accounting was was a, is a word that is first coined by Eric Ries where where he was referring to innovation accounting as as what a team in a startup needs to be accountable for that decision so you don't want to do everything on gut feeling right so you you want to have data driven learning because if you're doing those experiments and do validated learning within a team you have to make a decision on on the, on those learnings so if you ask if you've asked a lot of people what uh, what they're doing right now you want to to convert that into a learning by using the metrics within that learning so if i don't i don't know 15 out of the 20 people that you interviewed said something specifically then that is something that you can use as a learning because that is evidence that that is there so you want to have have some sort of accountability up front to make the decisions from and that was is what eric Ries meant by Innovation accounting, in his book um, Lean Startup. So once I was uh, pulled in, in in a corporate life by a lot of corporates that have, that said, Hey Esther, you, you have built this framework. You're doing something right, and 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 you have a successful way of looking at how to to do um, startup investing or or venture building or whatever you want to call it. It was easy for me to see the difference between that startup ecosystem or VC investment from the outside compared to what happened in in corporates so when you put this into a corporate environment that means that you need to ha- you need to have more layers towards that innovation account accounting because if you if you want to be successful just leaving those teams that are doing innovation and come up with ideas with with a lot of money and, and not looking at it is not a very successful way of of uh, investing in, in innovation Right, a lot of people saying so. Don't give a man any rules. Don't give them any metrics. Don't be too rigorous. Indeed, in like you're saying, but that doesn't make sense either. If if you look at from an investment perspective, like I've been an angel investor as well, angel investors and and VCs do have some sort of rules or or criteria, right? If if you want to have a, a double down, if you want to make money with your fund, you, you want to have some sort of evidence towards that something is going right or at least that something is there in the market that you've based your assumptions on so you can also do that within a corporate to improve your investment so to to take away the ones that you are sure are not going anywhere because you're not seeing any evidence and use that money to to invest in 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 those that do have some kind of evidence towards does the business model work or not so that makes a lot of sense to do that in a corporate innovation And then you can build around that because um, you also want your people to be the best version of themselves in what they're doing. So if you want to improve your your way of working or your funnel of ideas, you have to make sure that that people are educated in in the way to do that. So are they good at doing the validated learning? Are they learning? Can you see if they're doing that? What is keeping them from it? Because what you'd want to do is improve over time, not only the teams, but also how they're doing. Uh, and and if your bets on the future are the right bets, so you have that. Then on top of that, you have that layer of strategy connecting it to the execution again. Like for instance, uh, your former guest Noel so- uh, Soberman has uh, talked about so well. Right? Is the strategy? Are we doing well with our bets? That's are we right. moving towards that or not? Can we can we see that again in the exec- uh, execution? Because if if your bet on the future uh, doesn't have any evidence then you can see that none of the ideas based in that uh, will actually turn out any evidence back towards whether or not they will succeed in the in the end so then you have to revise it every half year look at it and and make sure it's happening so for me innovation accounting is is real time metrics on team basis so that the teams understand what they are doing uh, metrics on top of that for managing those teams to understand as an investor or as a coach, what is happening and how you can help them, whether or not you want to invest in that, looking at it maybe every three months. And on top of that, the strategy layer where the board maybe is looking at it every half year to understand if their strategy is going all right. And and that then is something that tells the journey of your funnel right? Because your funnel oh. is your future portfolio. It's not a portfolio. Your portfolio is what is it, what is there right now, but your yep. future portfolio is your funnel. And that whole system of innovation accounting then tells the journey of your funnel, your uh, journey of the search towards new business models. And the accounting people, the financial people can use that story to understand what is happening with their investment in innovation.
1: Yeah. A lot of times, I don't think companies have a good grip on what those metrics are and how to articulate value and importance around those metrics. I mean, everybody jumps to financials. What's it cost? What's the return? What's your guess, right? But that's only such a small part of it. And especially early on when you just don't know, I've had people tell me that too much of a focus on a business case, as an example, will stifle innovation. Do you agree with that?
0: Well, absolutely. Yes. Because it will, it will slam it down to something because they, it will, it will always ask for, for a return within a year. A business case is is basically saying, I want you to predict a return within a year because I have this cost on the one side and and I want you to have a return on the other side. And even if it's a prediction over five years, it's still asking for that. Right. So what I see usually, if if there is um, companies that fail to implement that second system, and they have this this brilliant strategy on on digitalization with business cases, and they're doing so well in that, they really want to build new business models on top of it because that's the opportunity of doing so much digitalization, right? It's it's the opportunity of, opportunity of building brilliant new business models on top of that but what you see is that if they fail to put that into the second system and then ask for a return right away it will always become sort of an incremental innovation and never have the opportunity of becoming that 10x disruptive thing that it it could have been yeah Uh, just because it it isn't given the timeline of finding out whether or not it could work so for instance if you if you look at airbnb right? The story of Airbnb, which is a very digital, non-asset kind of innovation. Big
1: one, yeah.
0: Right? It's a big one. But if you look at the the, the timelines of, of, of Airbnb, for, for most people, it became successful overnight, right? Because that is the point where they hit the mass market and the financial um, story goes up like a hockey stick. But there is r- around eight years before that where they were working with the early evangelist, the pioneer, so to say, looking at trends and who is doing what. And they had some sort of revenue, but it, it didn't hit the analysis, right? Because nobody was seeing it. It was, it was a flat line to most people. But but to us, if we looked at it, there were indicators, just different ones, fussy to most people because they're not financial. But it, it there was a story there. And... For me, with innovation accounting, you can tell that story, you can show people that there was evidence and that they built on that and that they make decisions based on that to be able to have that hockey stick when they finally hit mass market. And and I think that is marrying the two systems so that you have innovation accounting telling the story of that search and have control over that search somehow a little bit with with data-driven decisions instead of just gut decisions. Uh, to the financial story where you can right. actually see what's happening and you need to execute on that.
1: Yeah, what a great story, Esther. So have you found, are there certain types of companies that are more ready to accept and adopt those those ideas of, hey, I want to look at something beyond just project financials and I want to look at these these new metrics, these innovation accounting metrics? Are there companies that are more, maybe industries or type of companies that are more progressive in doing that? Are you seeing any differences in there?
0: Well, in terms of doing that kind of innovation, there's there's industries that definitely feel more pain. So they're sort of urged to look towards it more, like maybe the financial or the, the, the insurance industries where you see that bottom up, they are looking for ways to do this. But it's hard to get it through to the to the to the bigger company because they're still used to to these financials and top down. It's hard, even harder because they're controlled by the by the monetary systems, right? So they're they're yeah. asking for for financials. So so bottom up, they're doing really well and they want to change that. But top down, it's harder for them. Whereas, for instance, there's companies that are harder to change from within and they don't do it bottom up really well yet, but. If you look at it from a top-down perspective, um, the oil industry, for instance, they do have some sort of way to look at these these uh, experiment-driven validations because in in their financial accounting, there's there's already a way to, to look at it in a different yeah, way.
1: It's included. It's
0: included. So for them, it's it's different, and I think health and medical is is already o- also used to to um, exploring in a different way. So they have different ways to deal with that um not only in their accounting but but also in their processes already so for them it's easier to sort of switch and try try new ways
1: you know i i thinking of other industries uh food and beverage industry we saw them go through this uh, when the trend towards healthy foods happened right and they all said well we just can't look at this um just on financials alone, because we have no idea what the financials are going to be, right? So they had to have some other metrics. And it seems like the automotive industry must must really be struggling with that now. Everything that they knew how to do is no longer valid, right? Right, yeah. yeah. They, all, they all ought to go buy your book and read it. <laughs> I think so, yeah, yes. Where do you see things going, let's say uh, in the next year or next five years uh, in this area?
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's sort of a we're at the beginning of a curve right now because people understand that it's needed and there's a lot of teams that are doing innovation, disruptive innovation even from within companies, but it's it's a I think it's also a mindset change that we need to go through. People need to understand that metrics can be can feel fuzzy, but they're not fuzzy if you actually measure something. And to most people it just it feels fuzzy because it's not financial, but you can measure other things as well as long as you Make sure that it answers your question, and you use it towards towards something that uh, to steering uh, into a better way, right? Uh, so it's I think it's one of the reasons actually that we've built our software platform, uh, because what we're seeing is that people find it hard to come up with metrics that work for them, and find it fuzzy, and they don't know what they should implement or how. But if you give them that they something they can see with the basics and the metrics uh and that they, that they can then get insights by it it's easier to tra- to transform a company yeah. because then it's automatically sort of implemented right this is what you get this is so what i've noticed is that i can give like seven masterclasses to to the board or to people are telling them that the timelines that you that you look at when you do disruptive investing are so much longer and that you can control it by different things than financial accounting it's hard if I don't give them something that they that knew, right? I give them a blank paper and I say, right. draw something. That's hard for most people. I have to give them a template. So yeah. So you, you can't do this, but look at this. So I try to stay away f- from these masterclasses because I think the change happens faster if you give them something new. So that helps companies implementing the new system because what you can do is say, you can't you can't ask for for return on investment within a year but look you you can ask this we have yeah. this we are transparent we're accountable and this is what we're doing so that's what people need to sort of learn and unlearn what they know and that will take time but i think we're we're on the, on the beginning of that curve towards yeah. understanding that and building the two systems within, within, in, within companies.
1: Yeah. Very good. I think it, what you're doing is you're taking guesswork out of it. Everybody guesses, well, I think we're making progress, right? And you're giving them at least something and fuzzy or not, it's measurable. It's, it's like you said, it, it's accountable, right? It's, it's real. I think that's a great approach towards, you know, giving something back. I to anybody who's invested if you're a large company you've given a big budget to somebody to go build something it is a great idea great way to track <laughs> am i getting something out of the investment are we is it where how exactly, are we doing that? Yeah. exactly yeah
0: and then it's not just one investment it's a lot of little bets yeah. that you did and you know not all of them will make it but at least it's little bet bets and you know you keep the money to to put on the ones that do have evidence to move forwards yeah so it's it's all data driven and, and then you have some control on what happens to your money.
1: Well, that was really great, Esther. I really appreciate that. It, just a, a final question I would ask is, is there one key piece of advice you would give to, a, let's say, a, a larger company around this area?
0: Hmm. I think shorten the lines, right? So if you are um, a CEO or a CIO that really wants innovation to happen within your company, decide on whether or not that is new business model innovation. And then talk to your innovation managers directly. Don't don't put other layers in between, but but make sure because there's a lot of learning and unlearning to do, but make sure you have direct lines and understand and understand each other in terms of budget, in terms of what you mean by success. Otherwise it's not
1: gonna work. Wow, I love that answer. That's a really great answer. I would have never never thought you would go there. So I, I it's hard for me to top that one. <laughs> well, listen, Esther, I really appreciate you joining us. Um I uh if people want to follow you or or kind of keep track on you, how can they how can they do that?
0: Um you can follow me on Twitter. I'm oh that's hard, right? I'm Wilg on Twitter. W I L G you can look at my site. It's dot com. That's it, basically. My LinkedIn yeah. is, is always a good way to talk to me. I'll, I will chat back most definitely. So Great. look me up on LinkedIn.
1: Great. Well, I encourage all our listeners to do that and to check out the two books, The Corporate Startup and Innovation Accounting. And we'll have links to those in the show notes as well.
0: Oh, brilliant. Thank you, Paul.
1: Esther, thanks a lot for joining us. It's been a wonderful conversation. Things like this are always too short. I think we could talk for hours because you're a very interesting sure person. We can. It's a lot of fun, and you've got a lot of great stuff going on. Uh, maybe you come back and join us again someday.
0: Oh, I would love to, Paul. Thanks for the podium.
1: Yeah, you bet. And to all our listeners, thanks for joining us. I wish you a great week ahead, and we will talk to you next time. Have a great week. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for joining us this week for Innovation Talks with Paul Heller. For additional information on today's topic, check out sophion.com, S-O-P-H-E-O-N.com, where you will find plenty of innovation-centric content and corporate best practices. If you'd like to discuss anything with Paul or would like to get in touch with the show, email us at talks at sophion.com.